Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest, Darker, Dark, Episode 17. The hurt wasn't outside. That heals. The hurt was on the inside. Nathan felt it just as much as Debbie did. She'd gone to see the counselor as required by the police officer that night. They agreed, thinking that she had inflicted the wounds herself to allow her to see Alan Sloan as long as she went once a week until he deemed her safe to herself. It was a very mild solution considering that they could have placed her in a state hospital for therapeutic reasons. Sloan had suggested that Debbie wasn't quite ready to go back to school yet. He felt like she needed to focus on herself a little more and he had her fill her days with writing in a journal and basically relaxing. Nathan was spending his days bored at school. He wasn't socializing much. There was just way too much on his mind. None of it could be discussed with people he knew at school. He just didn't trust anybody anymore. Getting Debbie back into school was important to him. It wasn't just for her sake, but he just liked thinking about her being closer to him, especially while they were figuring out what to do. Amazingly, Dr. Sloan never drug tested Debbie. Maybe he knew or maybe he didn't. They didn't know for sure. What they did know is that the entire thing with him was useless. Not only did he not know about the huge amounts of pot Debbie was smoking, but he had no idea she was pregnant. When he finally suggested Debbie try going back to school, she was six weeks pregnant. She was greeted in much the same way when she went back to school as she had been after her parents had died. Lots of hugs and how are yous. This time she and Nathan were invited to a party. The thought of actually having some fun sounded good to Debbie. Even though Nathan didn't seem too hot on the idea, she managed to talk him into it. They arrived at the house of a girl she'd known for years at about 8.30 to find the place packed with people. The smell of beer filled the air. Disturbed rocked on the huge speakers set up in the living room, making shouting the best way to communicate. Nathan took Debbie's hand and they weaved their way through the couple's kissing, small groups talking, and the occasional party goer who simply stood alone, having had way too much and fighting their excesses. You could almost see their minds repeating over and over, please don't get sick. As they made their way through the crowd looking for the hostess, they both noticed something strange. There seemed to be eyes coming at them from every direction. It was like they had a big sign on them saying, stare at me. It was freaky to say the least. Once or twice, Nathan was sure he caught a person doing just that, staring at them. It wasn't drug paranoia. He had shot up and Debbie was scared to smoke with the baby's fate still uncertain. Eventually, they found Susan, Debbie's friend and the one that had invited her to the party. She was standing in a circle of other girls who looked like clones of her. 
Their blue plastic cups half empty of warm beer and would stay that way throughout the evening as they paraded around gossiping and talking. Debbie hated that about them. She wanted so desperately to be a kid again, just for a little while. She wanted things to be normal. Hi, Susan. Debbie was all smiles. Susan tapped her clone to the right on the arm and broke away from the gaggle of gossiping girls. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Nathan, she responded. Her voice was snooty sounding. It was much different than the way she had spoken to her when the invitation to the party had first been given. Something was definitely up. Thank you for coming, she continued. There's a keg out back and I think some eggs floating around here somewhere. You guys enjoy. And then she turned around. She was clearly being cold to them. Susan, is everything okay? Asked Debbie. She turned back around. Yeah, sure. She was smiling. You guys have fun. Her shoulder length braided blonde ponytail flipped and bounced as she abruptly turned back around and went back into the little circle of clones. Nathan was angry at Susan's cold behavior. He tugged on Debbie's arm. Come on, he said, equally as coldy as Susan's tone had been. Let's mingle. They continued to walk toward the back of the house where two pane glass doors led to a patio. A group was gathered outside and that presumably is where the keg was. Beer sounded good at this point. Nathan opened the door for Debbie and they stepped out onto the patio. They were immediately greeted by Alan Redwine. He was a dorky little dude who Debbie and Nathan both knew, barely. A football player who was given a place on the team each year out of pity more than anything else and everyone knew it too. He was also known to be a lush, drank at parties and known to be in the loser category, was his basic reputation. His red polo was wet with sweat under the arms, and the sweat had also started to gather along his brow. Hi, y'all. He was obviously drunk. What's up, Alan? said Nathan. He tugged on Debbie's hand for them to keep going, but Alan positioned himself in front of them, mistakenly thinking they wanted conversation. Great party, huh? His puffy cheeks were glowing red. Yeah, looks like you're having a good time. Debbie was trying to be nice to him. As soon as Debbie spoke, his smile went to seriousness. He looked her up and down, then put his hand on Nathan's shoulder. Congratulations are in order, he said, then slapped Nathan on the back. His drunken grin had returned. What do you mean? asked Nathan. The baby! He slapped Nathan on the back again. Debbie's heart felt like it was breaking all over again. Somehow, the secret was out. Who told you that, Alan? she asked. Alan thought for a minute. You know, I really can't remember. He finished what was left in his cup. Some of it had trickled down his chin and onto the front of his shirt. We're all happy for you, though, he continued. You mean other people know? Who? asked Nathan. 
Alan looked into his empty cup. All I know is everyone's been talking about at school for the past couple of days. Debbie looked up at Nathan's angry eyes. They both knew there was only one way their secret could get out. Marshall had told a student. Hey guys, my cup's empty. I gotta get to the keg. You coming? Asked Alan. Not right now, Alan. Thanks though, said Nathan. He was still holding Debbie's hand and now she was squeezing it as hard as she could. I've been getting a weird feeling since we walked in here, said Nathan. God, Nathan, let's get out of here, responded Debbie. He tugged on her and she willingly followed him. They walked back through the crowded room with all the stairs. Some people stopped talking as they walked by. Others politely smiled and one thing was clear. Everyone knew. He did it, Debbie, said Nathan. I know he did, she responded. Nathan started, why would he even care if you were pregnant? I know there was a time when y'all were like friends, but we were never friends, Debbie scowled and cut him off. What then? What was it? Asked Nathan. What was it that would cause you to feel so close to him that you would allow him to help you pick out, well, you know, your parents' caskets? I don't know, she said. I trusted him. I hoped that he would be like a dad, maybe. Debbie was really just as confused as Nathan was on the issue. He's no dad, said Nathan. He's certainly someone not to be trusted. The dude's a psycho. Tell me about it, she agreed. When they arrived home, they retreated to Debbie's bedroom. Nathan was sitting on the floor next to Debbie's bed. He had his legs crossed and his arms were folded across his chest. Debbie was lying on her side on the bed. Her head was resting on her hands. She felt crushed from the weight of her circumstances. She could tell that Nathan was feeling it too. They silently pondered their possibilities for what seemed like an hour or so. It was Nathan that finally spoke. So what now? He asked. Let's run away, she answered quickly. It was like she was just simply waiting for the question to be asked. Nathan didn't answer. Did you hear me? I heard you, Debbie. I'm serious. Where are we going to go? Neither one of us even has a car. You forget. I'm rich, she responded. Nathan didn't respond again. Did you... Yes, I heard you. You're serious, aren't you? I think so, she said. You think so? Are you serious or not? I am, she responded. Okay, explain this to me. I'm willing to listen, okay? Let's just take off, Nathan. We don't need any particular plan. Just like that, just leave. No explanation to anyone, just go. Are you crazy, he said. There's nothing here for me anymore. I need to get away from here. Nathan stood up and started to pace the room back and forth like a caged lion at the zoo. There was another considerable period of silence before he finally spoke again. What about the baby, Debbie? We can't run from that. I haven't decided yet, she said firmly. 
you haven't decided? Nathan emphasized the word you. Don't I get a say-so in this? It's not just your decision, he said. It's not just for you to decide. His voice was increasingly rising. You already told me what you want to do. You said you wanted to get married. That would mean keeping the baby, and I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Nathan sat next to her on the bed. Look, I know we haven't brought it up, you know, abortion, but I just don't think that it's a good idea. I I don't like the idea. I've been keeping my mouth shut to give you some time to think, but Debbie, I don't know. Something about that just doesn't seem right to me. There's still time, she responded, to work through all of this. First, I just want out of here. Debbie's comment was interrupted by Mr. and Mrs. Calhoun, who were standing in the half-open doorway. You're going to get your wish, Debbie. It was Mr. Calhoun. His voice was stern and matter-of-fact. Mrs. Calhoun was standing there in her fuzzy pink housecoat and was holding an empty box that had once contained an EPT, early pregnancy test. You want to explain this? She asked. She was holding the box in one hand for Debbie to see and tapping it with the forefinger of her other hand. Guess I should have taken out the trash, said Debbie sarcastically. Nathan, I want to see you downstairs right now, said Mr. Calhoun. Nathan obediently followed his father into the hallway. The thumping of them going down the stairs could clearly be heard. I take it this was positive, said Mrs. Calhoun, now holding the empty box out in front of her. No sense in lying, Debbie thought. There was no telling how long they had been standing in the doorway listening to the conversation she had been having with Nathan. Afraid so, she said. She sat up on the bed and crossed her legs Indian style. She prepared herself for the onslaught of would've, could've, should'ves that were sure to follow. They didn't come, though. Mrs. Calhoun just stood there, shaking her head. It was an awkward moment, broken finally by the desperate-sounding question, Is it Nathan's? Debbie resented the question. She hated the insinuation that the baby could possibly belong to anyone else. Of course the baby belongs to Nathan, Debbie snapped. Well, Debbie, I didn't mean to suggest. Then why did you ask? Mrs. Calhoun went back to shaking her head. Debbie laid back down. There was nothing to say. Mrs. Calhoun talks the box in Debbie's trash can and left the doorway to join her son and husband. She turned Debbie's bedroom light off as she left, leaving Debbie in another dark place as she quickly drifted off to the low mumbling sound of voices coming from the living room below her. She sensed a presence. She'd felt it throughout her entire body, whatever it was. This time, even though she had felt it before, it was different. Where was the light? The light didn't come this time. She searched through her dream for it, but 
seemed to only find deeper shades of dark. The presence was always with her, but there was still no light. She no longer sought more of the darkness despite the creepy feeling it gave her. Now the creepy feeling was turning to fear. Where was the light? For the first time in Debbie's life, she felt though she needed some help, a special kind of help that would give her peace and answers. She felt sure that the help was in the light. But where was the light? Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.